Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Andy. Essentially, Essentially we're, we're two, two Andys, Andys talking about things we find funny and sprinkling in a little real estate. We hope you enjoy. All right. All right, Essentials. Episode three. We're going to kick it off like we have the other two episodes. Let's sniff. This one tricked you last time. <laughs> oh, it's lemongrass. Got it. Okay. <laughs> No, you're getting better. I'm proud of you. Well, you told me what you already doing. You told me the answer, so I, no, no, no. I didn't, you didn't sniff lemongrass last time. You guessed something else was lemongrass last time. Right. But so no, I actually gave you the lemongrass. Right. Fair, but she still gave me the answer. <sighs> I didn't think you were smart enough to pick up on that. <clears throat> so since last episode, we had a, a wild card weekend. We did. How are we feeling, Andy? You, uh... I'm I'm happy the season's over as an Eagles fan, and I'm more happy the Cowboys lost. Yeah. It makes the off season bearable. Fair. But we're probably looking at a new coach. But the Cowboys would have lost next weekend anyway, so. But having them exit early makes it feel okay. All right. Makes me think they're not better than us. Well, How was your playoff weekend? Uh, well, so <laughs> my two division rivals won, so not great. Yeah. Never like to see the Packers win. And, I mean, I'm kind of mixed emotions on the, on the Lions since it's been 30 years since they it's had a, a playoff it's win. It's an underdog story. It's a, good, it's a good story from that standpoint. But, still. So, you know, it'd be like if. You want to see, I don't know. There's nobody in the East. There's nobody in the No. No, it's always been a battle over there. It's always. Yeah. So you don't want to see anybody. So what you, don't, what, what you don't know about this Andy, Andy Walker, is he's from Minnesota. So if you've never met anyone from Minnesota, <laughs> here's your chance. Because there, there's not many of them. There's, there's, there's not many. <laughs> wow. So coming East was, was... I mean, it was like... It was... Um, I have to be honest with you, it wasn't exactly what I had anticipated because coming east, you hear about all the New Yorkers and how they're so like rude and just kind of like standoffish and everything like that, which I think it essentially is true, right? Coming from Minnesota coming from, Nice. Com- relatively speaking, compared right. to where you were, yes. Right. Which Minnesota Nice, if you're not familiar with it, it's just really passive aggressiveness. It, it's all it is. Like, push it, your emotions it, it, down. Right. It, Don't talk it about it. Right. You know, okay. it's it's just like pretend to be nice and then like explode later. Like okay. When you get in the car and behind like, closed doors. Right. And, okay. Exactly. That's all Minnesota nice. So the same it's as not Canada, really nice. It's the rest of the Midwest and Canada, right. basically is. Is yeah sure. Okay. Um, but coming out here, like it, it was harder to kind of break into friendships and relationships, but the loyalty that is here is different and yes it's much faster paced than minnesota or other places that i've visited at least so you said the the loyalty runs deeper here i I once you break into that's been my experience that's so i I don't i don't have anything to compare it to but i would say that you know the friendships i've made over the years that loyalty is very yeah you're right from that respect i can't compare it to anything but it's pretty cool now was there so let me ask you this right so you and was there was there any learning curves Listen, at the end of the day, people are people, right? It doesn't really right. matter. Yeah. Right? There's good people and there's bad people. It doesn't matter what they look like, where they come from. It yes. is, they're, they're all, we're all humans. What was, what was maybe one of the cooler experiences you had? Just things that maybe stick out when you came east, you're like, wow, I'm not in Minnesota anymore. So, and this is like, I mean, we're arguably like the, the pizza capital of the world, right? I, I thought I, I knew what pizza was. From Minnesota, you thought pizza from, pizza was? I, I, I thought Did so. Did you have any, like, private pizza players all chains? Yeah. No, there's pizza. There's, of course, like Pizza Hut, Domino's, like, right. th- those were the ones that we mostly went to. There were some, you know, some, some so there local, were some fake places that you thought uh, were good? I thought they were good. Okay. What was 
really interesting to me to find out coming here is how much in talking to different folks, how much the water plays a role in the dough. And the dough is what's the, the big difference. True. I think it's, it's what makes the pizza, right? But then also, <laughs> getting that dollar slice in New York is not necessarily like the best or real pizza either. Right. Right? You, I mean, right. obviously we've got plenty of places here in Connecticut that have really good pizza. Absolutely. Uh, but I think that was the food for me, like, was... It was it was it was kind of mind blowing there's, because there's not so what what is the in Minnesota what is the food like what is like we are known for hot dish what, what the hell is that it's uh, is it like a garbage plate up in upstate New York uh, I don't know what that is that's but, like everything it's like it's I like mean, a it's, cheeseburger with macaroni salad and tater tots and cheese and everything else on top is it like that type of thing no it's like a it's like a casserole essentially okay like um, but very specific ingredients or like any casserole is considered hot dish are there many casseroles that can I mean, constitute Truthfully, I don't, I don't know, like... You don't know what's I in it? I don't know what the... Like, no, no, no. we're having a hot no. dish, and you're like, okay, great, but let, don't ask mom what's in it. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, no, I don't... I, I don't Did I don't you eat this in your house? Uh, we had it, but I don't really... I don't remember so much what was, like... <laughs> you plot. I don't know, like... <laughs> it was so long ago, Andy. <laughs> can, can you call some family members later? Yes. Yeah, I need we'll, to know what's we'll in a hot update, dish. We'll I want to know what's in a hot yeah. dish. Dear guy. So... This bit, sorry, you talk about pizza in Connecticut, right? Now listen, Connecticut's got really good schools. It's, you know, it's safety ratings are off the charts high. Um, you know, one thing we lack, which I miss from growing up near Philadelphia, are actual sports teams. We've got UConn basketball, right? right? And, now, and now because of, uh, whatchamacallit, the one-bite one bite pizza test, uh, what's his name? Um, David. Portnoy, Portnoy, right? Yeah. We've got pizza, which everyone kind of knew we had pizza, but now I feel like the rest of the world knows we have pizza. It's, sure. it's, it is ridiculous. It's like, I don't, I don't get a cheesesteak outside the Philadelphia region. Like, I don't like much pizza outside of where we live now. Yeah. So, but we have no professional sports, and it drives me bonkers. Since the Whalers left, right? I mean, I, I'm not a big hockey guy, but I would become a hockey guy if the Whalers ever came back. Yeah. Like, I, and there's been a lot of pushes for that. Just nothing. It's a lot of talk. Nothing happens. Right. right. We don't, we, don't, we don't have enough density, right? We don't have, like, our, our cities Hartford. are not major cities. No. I but mean, even Hartford, where the Whalers were, right. like, it's... It's not Boston. I, I, right. It's not New York. It's not Philadelphia. It's, and it's kind of isolated up there in the middle of the state, so right. it's, it's hard to pull from... There's not a lot of... Right. Once you get outside of Hartford, there's not a lot of densely populated areas right. where you can pull, like, suburbs and things like that. So the like TV that. dollars won't be as high. I mean, I feel, I feel like they'd probably sell out every night at the, at the arena, but... Sure. But can you imagine if we had legitimate sports here? Not to knock UConn basketball. Right. Because UConn men are number one right now. The women are always going to vie for a championship. That's great. I just want a hometown team. Is that too much to ask for? I mean... How much is it going to cost? What do I got to raise? <laughs> so, so, so many billions. So many billions. And speaking of billions, I saw an article the other day talking about since 2020... The five richest human beings have doubled their net worth. Think about that. In three years. And that is... So, so you, got, you got Bezos, you got Musk, you got uh, Zuckerberg. No. Well, no? No, it's... So it's... You got the, you have the Mexican telecom guy? No. Are you reading... Larry Ellison. Willy Wonka? <laughs> Warren Buffett. Jeff Bezos. Elon Musk. And uh, Bernard Arnault. 
Is, is Arnaud, is that? Uh, French. <laughs> no, it's, it's the fashion guy, right? Um, Isn't that like Louis Vuitton into, and all those brands? I didn't look into what he did. I just know he's a French businessman, honestly. You just so, assumed. You sure he's not French Canadian? Well, no, because I looked at it and said he was French. <laughs> no, he's French. And I had to check so, out the pronunciation so of his three, name in, to make sure I didn't screw that up. In three years' time, they have yes. doubled their wealth. They've doubled. So, so what, they, what the article said is that in that amount of time, collectively, not each of them individually okay. have, but they've gone up collectively 114%. So essentially doubling plus their, their net worth. And that's, that's adjusted for inflation, of course, over the, over right. the time. But it's mind-boggling. It's it's wild. You think well, about what that. Was, what was, what, 890. What was it? 896 billion dollars is their between the five of them. Right. So it was 400 and some billion. Right. Which is which is wild. The average American has trouble doubling 50 dollars. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. Wonder. Wonder. So then, I want, we, we only have to look into is with the disparity of how wide is the wealth gap getting too, right? It's getting huge. I mean, it's it's only getting bigger, right? So then how, how the hell does the average American keep up, right? Like it's, it's you know, it, it, we, we follow these stats, right? I mean, it, and this has only gotten stronger, actually, even though it's gotten harder to do with buy a home because of the rates. Historically, and still to this day, there is more wealth when you own a home, you pay one off over 10, 15, 30 years, than when you rent for a lifetime. So, you know, so many Americans now are renting and they're just falling farther and farther behind in the wealth gap. They are. What's, what's interesting about that is that during that same, relatively same stretch, from 2019 to 2022, in that same stretch, renters' net worth actually increased at a higher percentage than homeowners. Right. Now, the gap there is like, for the average homeowner at the end of 2022 was like $396,000 was their net worth, right? The for, the, average, for the average homeowner. Homeowner, okay. correct. The average renter was about ten thousand five hundred in net worth. Got it. So, so the renter had more money than they had before, they had more, but they're right. still way behind, way behind the average homeowner right. in, in total net worth. Right. So the last time that report came out, there, it was about a forty. It was homeowners were worth about forty times what a renter was. When this one came out, it was 38 times. So, so yes, they're closing it a little Which, bit, but still it's not. Well, also a lot of factors, right? In COVID, right. like some people, some renters didn't have to pay their rent. They stopped paying their rent, right? right? They were getting right. people, all people, renters, homeowners were getting money from the government. Right. So proportionally, a renter typically who has less money, it's easier, you know, you give somebody 800 bucks, actually 800 bucks a month or so, proportionally it's gonna be a higher percentage of their net worth than Correct. someone who's right. worth 100,000 or more dollars. Right. So, it really that's an interesting statistic. So, you've got what's in? I just read another one today. Is that the the gap of which sellers sellers are starting to get off the fence and sell and saying rates are not going to drop back to three percent. I'm going to go up the ladder to a new house or downsize to a smaller house. I think I think increased by six percent. So that many more year over year have now decided I'm going to sell or already have sold in the past year. Make sense? Yeah. Right. So now. You've got people getting, coming to the realization that rates are not going to come back to 3%. And I'll tell you what, if they do come back to 3 or 4%, there's something else economically happening that ain't going to be very good. No. Now, they're gonna, I think they're going to sell back in the fives artificially because of the presidential election year. I think, and I don't know what side of the fence I fall on anymore with anybody because I don't think any of the candidates are worth their salt. 
but I do think the Biden administration will do what they can to drive rates down as much as possible, sure. increase economic activity, increase home buying and selling, and take that into the election and hopefully something to stand on to win four more years. Whether it works, who the hell knows? We'll find out. But it does. It, it, is, it is time and time again, create stability and wealth is to buy a home. And it's a shameless right. plug for us on this podcast because we are real estate guys. But It is, but I think also, Andy, it goes, it goes back to part of why we got into this business. Yes, we got into this business to make money to sure. support our families, but to also help people. And if we can extend that information and that knowledge, then it takes away from, you know, I mean, you, and again, it's, it, and, and, it, and it also helps, like, the only real tried and true way to build sustainable wealth is... To own assets. Yeah. That's, that, and that's not most necessarily people. just real estate, but real estate has proven time and time again to be a very reliable source and has not sustained down periods for extended periods of time over history. Well, think about it also. For the average American, it is a forced savings account. Correct. You're paying down the debt, even if it doesn't appreciate, but you now have a $300,000 asset. It's money you might not have had if you invested in the stock market or just kept cash under your pillow with, with inflation going up or down and all these other things or just would have spent it frivolously, right? So at the very least, you have a forced savings account mm-hmm. of a cushion of money that when you retire or when you're older or whatever the need might be, you've got something there, right? right? Yeah. But it's just, again, time and time again, it's just another piece of that asset portfolio, right? Yes, you might be throwing in into whether it's, you know, if you're like us, self-employed IRAs or, you know, contributing to your 401k at work, which everybody should at least to get the match, like regardless of what that is, like get, get I wonder if we can get that here one day. I mean, I, I hope. I'm going to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the broker and see if we can, let me know if we can work out something. Let me know what he says about that. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. You know, there, there's, there's so many people in, and I think Americans, and I think we're all guilty of it. We have short spans of what the future is, right? It's how do I feel now? How can I make myself feel good now? And not realize that a little bit of pain, a little bit of sacrifice throughout the experience, uh, you know, expanse of time is what creates wealth. There, there's, yeah. you know, we're bombarded with social media messaging that says, get rich quick, get rich quick. Here's a side hustle, do this. I bought 10 homes in one year, this and that. And right. there's no doubt some people have done that, but it's such a small percentage and nobody is talking about, hey, here's how you do the right thing with patience. And here's how, if you do that for 20 years, you're probably, probably gonna be in a good place. Yeah. And no one's, I mean, we gotta talk, gotta start an Instagram page about that, yeah. about being patient again. What I think, kind of speaking to patience versus like short-sightedness, right? And this is my own personal story. Um, years ago, I worked for MetLife. Yeah. And in the office that I was, it was, it was the long-term care office. It wasn't a publicly traded piece of the MetLife portfolio, so they were giving us a pension within that office. So I had built up a pension and was also contributing to my 401k. Long story short, 2008, got laid off. I'm sitting with these relatively small accounts. I think I had $10,000 in each, right? Not thinking about like long-term. Right. Ended up being short on cash, making a really poor short-term decision, taking and Getting cashing both out. fees on that too, right? And I think I ended up with like eight grand at right. the end of the day out of that 20, right? Because of fees, taxes, everything, right? That money's gone. And so now I've learned that lesson from 
my own personal life yep. of saying, hey, had I just hung on to that money, even if I never contributed anything else to it, Probably at least 60, now it would be, yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in 15 years, I, would, I mean, yeah, you absolutely. Know, even if it stayed the same, I still had $20,000 that I didn't have, have right? right? So that's one of the things that I think is really important. And like, you know, I know we talked about the other day, like you, you look at that conversation about money within the household or, you know, like it used to be within schools and right. not to get on like some... The, edu the, edu the education like of it is not there right. like it used to be. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's something that... I agree. I know Jesse and I are working with the girls. I know you're working... You do that with your kids. Yeah. You know, we we just started investment accounts for the girls. It's great. And it's not a whole lot, but we contribute every week yeah, a little bit. But over 20, then, 30 years. And then we'll be able to hand them an asset to give them a better spot. And so I know my girls will be in a better spot than you were when you started. I was. Yeah. When I got so, I, so I, I, wish, I wish somebody told me, and, and, and I, I, didn't, I didn't get bad advice about buying my first home, but I wish someone said, buy a multifamily first. Find a two-family home, sure. live in one, collect rent in the other. And I just imagine now that would have been 15 years ago. I probably would never have sold it. And I'd have this two-family almost paid for asset throwing off free cash flow. Yeah. Right. So like, there's 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 so much you can do is when you're younger that you own, you don't have the knowledge. It is truly hindsight is twenty twenty, and we don't and we need to talk about more about that with our clients, right? And look at their situation. And so let's say you're a first time home buyer. I know you have dreams of having this great little cute adorable home right now, but here's another thing you can look at. You should consider. And if you don't want to go that direction, fine. We'll find a cute little starter home for you. Right. But you have the ability to acquire an asset that can help secure your future. And in five years from now. You rent both sides and you go buy the cute little home you want or a bigger home because maybe you're in a better position. Yeah. And then you yeah. have, hopefully, a cash flow positive property. Or even if you're, or if you're just carrying, neutral. carrying costs and paying it, right. someone else is paying for you. Right. But I think real estate agents are too afraid to have those conversations from an advisory role, right? Yeah. Agents fall into this very complacent role of, I'm going to open a door, show you a house, hope you make an offer. And I think it's, it again, goes back to the education piece too because there's a lot of people that or have this mindset of whether it's the American dream concept or whatever of, hey, I'm going to own a piece of land, right? Yep. And they think about if I own a duplex or a three family or a two family, it's not the same as just owning my own like of separate course. dwelling. Yeah. And so it, it, it creates maybe in some people's minds a little bit of a stigma of, yeah, but then I got people next door, and then I got neighbors, and I got this I, I and that. Some like, I think there's some of that. But I, think, but I think, again, it, it comes back to an education process of saying, yeah. hey, don't think of this time frame. If you're, especially if, if you get in, whether it's a, a single professional, young couple, or even a young family with, with a kid, yeah. they're like, we're looking for a five-year home. Those guys are perfect candidates for that kind of scenario. Absolutely. Because then you then you say, okay, somebody else is going to pay for, a, especially with what you can get for rents right now. Yep. They're going to help. It helps with the affordability. Helps people get into homes, and then. Well, and the rental the rental market is not going away. Right. There is such a need for housing across the board, whether it be for sale or for rent, and because the and the, the the direction our economy is headed, the need for rentals is going to be so strong for the next twenty plus years. I think, I think it's a home run, but I don't think agents have the guts to advise their clients to look at that home acquisition process from a different angle. I think they say, oh, you want a house? Cool, I'll help you find a house. Right. And they stay in this linear pathway that might that, that is probably just fine for those clients, let's be honest, sure. but only because they don't know there's other options out there, right? Yeah. And, and if our job is to show them their options, let them choose which path to go down, 
and then help them go down that path. Not, we're not pushing them down one other path, but show them what else exists. Show them the possibilities of, of what they can do and how it might affect their future decisions, right? And, and, and oftentimes, it's no worse either decision, right? It can be the right decision no matter which path you take. But depending what your lifelong goals are, one might be better than the other. Yeah. If you can get people to look beyond the immediate satisfaction criteria of an adorable little first house or something, which is good too. I did that. Right. But, but nothing, I wish I did. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's the, the options and that's what they want to pick. Show them the options. Give them, give them their choice and they can pick. And then at the end of the day, if, if they don't want to go that direction of being maybe, because some people don't want to be landlords. Some people, right. Andy, some people shouldn't be landlords. Should not be landlords. Because maybe they're too nice or they're not in a spot or maybe, where they're, or maybe they're too mean. Right. Uh -huh. yeah, well, yeah. Listen, I, I like options. So I, I always try to supply it. I know you're very similar. You know, we've got a lot of things in common, not just our names, but we also like options, which is cool. And essential oils. Essentially. Essentially. Essentially, yeah. it's two Andes who like a lot of the same things. I think we should cut Absolutely. it on that. I think it's probably about it. It's about it. Episode three, high five. All right. Push your little button.